0: in the word, beloved. The Bible says we are the beloved of Christ. In fact, that's the reason we were created, to be in this loving relationship with the creator of the whole universe. I forget how big of a gift that is. Just that simple phrase, that we are the beloved of Christ, is so much bigger than just the daily doldrums that we make it out to be. This amazing, perfect lover wants to love each of us in a way that we can't even comprehend. And we just gloss over it. Yeah, God, God is love. That's kind of how we leave it. It's, it's huge, people. It's so big. And we, we just we don't think about it. It should be our, our every th- waking thought of, like, we are loved perfectly. And we forget that, and that's not okay. I do that, and it's not okay. So please focus in on that. Please hear God's words. You are the beloved of Christ. It means everything.
1: I want to continue to speak this morning on a topic that we've been speaking of for a number of weeks, and that is to get to know Jesus. And today I want to speak on getting to know Jesus in the middle of our life, in the living in the middle. Living in the middle is also where we get to know Jesus. Last week, we talked about being devoted to truth, and I want to kind of take off from that a little bit because uh, living in the middle is a process of being devoted, to being devoted to living a truthful life, a truthful existence, then persevering and being persistent in the process and in the pursuit of truth. And uh, we spoke last week about how important it was to be, to be devoted to truth and uh, and how important it is that we're sure of the truth that we're be de- being devoted to because there's a lot of untruths in this world today, aren't there? We're being bombarded by a lot of false things. We spoke actually quite a bit about it today in Sunday school. It was a very timely message, Sunday school class today because we are living in a life of untruths that come from all angles. Um, in fact, truth is very rarely seen anymore if you really think about it it's very rarely do you, does someone really speak the truth but we are so much infiltrated in our life by untruth or partial truths and um, and should we be surprised at that let me ask you the question is that a surprising thing to you and is it going to get any better before the end comes Uh, The answer is no, it's not going to get any better. And no, we shouldn't be surprised at it because um, understand that the enemy is ramping up his attacks on the church. He's ramping up his attacks on you and on any Christian person that is doing their best to live a truthful life. The devil is all about knocking you down. He's all about trying to destroy you. He's all about trying to destroy the church. And we're told that in, in Second Timothy chapter 4. Just, you know, I'm not making it up. The first four verses there state this. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebu- rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when man will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Now, it's not just one teacher that's going to be wrong. That word says, that they will gather around them a great number of teachers. The majority doesn't rule here. The majority doesn't overrule God's truth. I don't care how many men want to speak a false word. I don't care how many people want to believe a false word. If it doesn't line up with God's word, it's not going to stand the test of time, is it? God's word is very pure, very true, And will stand against any number of false teachers. So don't be taken by large crowds. Don't be taken by the popular message. Don't be taken by what our government leaders are saying or our uh, many big organizations that would sound well, sound good from the beginning, but maybe not have the full truth. If they don't have the full truth, run from that and find the full truth. Because when we understand that the devil is not out to be our friend, anytime you compromise God's truth at all, anytime you compromise with the devil at all, you're giving defeat to him. You're giving up to him. And and he's going to win. And and he is not out to be your friend. He is out to destroy. And he is out to conquer you and me and, and, and the church of Christ in any way he can. And it's only going to get worse as the time continues on. And I'm not being pessimistic. I'm just being realistic. I'm reading what God's Word says, and I just want to make sure that we are carefully, carefully searching out God's truth, carefully, uh, as we're instructed here, to preach the Word, be prepared in season and out with great patience and careful instruction. So it's important that we do that. Last week we talked about how um, easy it is to compromise for a short-term solution and ultimately miss the objection or the the object of a long-term plan, and that is uh, that's important that we don't uh, give up. We don't we don't miss the mark because we want the easy short-term solution. We want the easy thing that, that will get us out of right now's issue. If we're not taking a long-term perspective of the plan that God has for our life, and it all begins at the beginning of time. It all begins when we start at a point in time where. We've made a decision to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, and at that moment in time, Jesus is taking the throne of our life. And as important as that moment of time is, here's the key to this: it's just a point of time. Larry, could you throw up that that overhead and recognize that um, the first the first moment of salvation is a point of time. It's just a point. And it says in Romans 10:13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's not an issue of works. It's not an issue of what have I done prior to that point. It is, or even after that point, right then and there, it's that moment of salvation. And that's the point of time that we're all in or that, that happens at our point of salvation. However, the difference, though, between man and God is that man lives in time. God doesn't live in time. God is not impacted by time, but we are. The moment of my salvation is just a moment. And then the, the next second, the next minute, the next hour, the next day, the next week, I have to continue to walk out that salvation as the next slide talks about. So here, here we have this is that circle now impacted by time. As time goes on, it grabs that, that one edge of the circle it grabs that, that edge right here of the circle. This was a circle right here. It grabs that edge and starts pulling it. So our life gets spread out over time. So now it says in Colossians, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, in other words, at that point of time, you have to continue to live in him, rooted and build up in him, strengthened in the faith that you were taught and overflowing in thankfulness. So the time aspect takes that little point of time that we have, that little circle, and and, and makes it oblong uh, and stretch out and ultimately becomes a line. And then we have the issue of living in time. Now, so we started at the beginning. We all have a beginning point of our saved life. And then we have the middle time of our saved life. And then we're going to have the end point. So where are we at right now? Where are we at in the timeline of life? Somebody tell me. Are we at the beginning point? We're at the middle point. Thank you, Kelvin. We're at the middle point of life. All right? So the next slide will tell us then, this goes back to kind of where we were last week. If last week we talked about um, the, the time of life. Now, this line right here, this line right here is truth, okay? That straight line is truth. And this is our life. Every one of these, these, these blobs represent a, dis, this a decision point, a point of truth or untruth. All right. Every time I have a I have I've spoken a lie or I've done something, I've committed an action, I've made a thought or whatever that would be confronted as should I go back and um, live in truth or untruth. My decision point is an instant. Do I do I say the truth or do I live the lie? Because a lie does not have just a moment it starts in a moment but then a lie has a life too because every time i move on from that point in time i have to keep saying that same lie so now this right here becomes a life of untruth. right this truth is leading to heaven this untruth is leading to hell okay and this each one of these arrows lead down to hell this red arrow right here is repentance and this is what we talked about last week, when that moment in time where I have to where I acknowledge the fact that I'm living in untruth, if I if I the sure the the quicker I can acknowledge my untruth and repent and go back, because repent means turn around and go backwards to the point of my indecision, make it right, repent, say I'm sorry, take care of any issues I have to take care of that I can to try to make up for what I did that was wrong to people, because your sin very seldom just impacts you. Most of the time, your, your sin impacts other people, and there are some restoration, restitution efforts to that. And we went through five pr- uh, purposes of, of repentance which I'm not going to go through today. But the quicker you can acknowledge your sin, repent, get back in, on, the, on the path of truth, and continue on. And living in the middle is stated in 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, Right there it says, "But you are a chosen people." First Peter chapter two verses nine through 12, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him like we did today, who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So dear friends. This is so good. Peter says, I urge you, I urge you, I call you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans or the worldly people that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. So we are living in the middle, and living in the middle is a process of living so today I want to pick up on that and I want to stress the importance of the persistence and the perseverance required of our Christian faith in the middle of our life. Drew kind of mentioned it this morning that it was right on, Drew, what you said about recognizing how big God is and how so often in the doldrums of life we minimize Him. So often in the boring times of life we we, re, we reduce this God down to a powerless God, not a powerful God, because our lives aren't living it out, maybe. And we do that in a way because we just get so maybe accustomed to some things. We get so uh, accustomed to church. We get so accustomed to um, the things that should be exciting us. Remember what we read about this morning when we started the service about how when Mary came into the presence of Elizabeth, and the baby Jesus was um, alive in Mary's belly in her bosom at that point, and John the Baptist leaped in the womb of Elizabeth. That's the way we need to be. We our spirits need to be attuned constantly to the presence of the Lord. And but but the enemy comes so subtly, and he's a very strong enemy, as we spread at the very beginning of the service or at the beginning of this message. That he's not going to give up. His ramping up his his. Enemy's attacks against us. They're being stronger against us, not weaker against us. And understand this, that if the enemy can't knock you off course, if he can't knock you morally or ethically off course because you're good, solid Christian people, which most of us are in this room, good, solid Christian people, that the enemy probably doesn't have the ability to knock you off course morally or ethically or in sin, but what he will, but what he can do, and what he most often does is he comes against your uh, your attitudes, your feelings, depression, your focus on why do I keep moving forward. If he can, if he can't make you commit to sin, he'll discourage you from living the godly life. He'll bring discouragement in your life, and he'll bring boredom in your life, and he'll bring things that will take the anticipation and the excitement away from your life. And those doldrums, you need to recognize that. Because we're living in the middle and if we're going to get to know Jesus, we have to get to know Jesus in the whole process of living, not just the point of salvation. As important as that was and as meaningful as, as that was in your life, that is a point in time in the past. You can't live in the past. You have to live where you're at and we're in the middle and now in the middle is where the enemy comes to defeat. He comes in to steal and rob and destroy and if he can't knock you off, He'll depress you or he'll give you poor feelings or he'll give you a sense of hopelessness and he'll take away your joy. He'll take away your happiness. So we need to um, guard that. And as I was praying about this message this week and, and, and studying God's word about this, he put in such uh, an emphasis in my heart this morning that I need to come to encourage, to know that you will make it through The middle times of your life, because He's given us promises, and I have a number of them I want to share with you. Galatians chapter six, verse nine, it says, "Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will have a we will reap a harvest if we do not give up." So, do not give up in the middle times. I don't care how you feel. This is not about your feelings, as we talked about in praise and worship. Worship is not about your feelings. Do not give up, because if you hold to the end, if you maintain the course, Jesus will give us the harvest if we do not become weary and give up. First so Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Paul is talking to Timothy again, and he says, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. At this point, Timothy was a young man. Paul was in his his later years of life, Paul, this was Paul's last first and second Timothy are Paul's last letters of his writing before he died, and this was his last effort to, to encourage Timothy, who was a young preacher. And he says, Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith. And in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. And we read this in Sunday school today. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. But here it is Be diligent in these matters, give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. He's living in the middle. Watch your life and doctrine closely persevere in them because if you do you will save both yourself and your hearers again the encouragement to continue on the encouragement to press in do not go backwards do not kick yourself in neutral and glide for the moment because you can glide for a bit but it's going to come at the point in time where you're going to stop and go backwards so persevere hebrews chapter 10 35 and 36 so do not throw away your confidence it will be richly rewarded you need, to, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And then James chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. In the middle times of your life, you are going to have trials. You are going to have persecutions. You are going to have problems. But blessed is the man who perseveres, that doesn't give up, that doesn't let the enemy knock him down, that doesn't let the enemy discourage him. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Build yourself up in the Lord. We've been speaking the last number of weeks on the quiet times, how important it is that you have a quiet time, that you have the time where you can recharge yourself in the Lord. We are in the fight of our life, folks, and you all know that. This is an obvious statement. And it's not going to get any better. You are responsible for your life, but you're not responsible to live it alone. First of all, Jesus is there. His promises are there. God's word is there. The brethren and the sister of this church are there for you. Your family members are there for you. Don't think you've got to live out on this, on this life on your own. You have people that will help you if you will ask. So it's a very encouraging time that we are living in. Um, the devil is clearly out to attack. He's clearly out to, uh, to destroy. Um, everything is ramping up that way. But the, but the man, Matthew chapter 24, verses 10 through 13, and let me just skip to the last verse, but the one who remains faithful to the end will be saved. But the one who remains faithful to the end will be saved. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be saved? How bad do you want to be saved? It's a matter of so much of our want to. How bad do you want to be saved? You preserve to the end. You remain faithful to the end and you'll be saved. And I've heard the saying, and you've probably heard it as well, it's not how you start, it's how you finish that matters. It's not how you start, it's how you finish and, and, and this is very true because we can get a really a, a good start or a really bad start. The starts don't matter a whole lot, but it's how we finish that really makes a difference in our lives. It's how we finish. And, and so many times we can get um, down the wrong path in our starting, but it's how quickly do we come back. How quickly do, do we repent? How quickly do we come back and get on that path of truth? Or we can, go out, we can start on the path of truth and get knocked off. So it's not how you start that matters. Understand that because so many times we live at the starting point. The devil will take you back to the starting point. He'll, he'll want to bring you back to your past, to your failures, to the point in time when you were a nothing, that you were a no good. And that's where the devil wants to focus you on because that's where, that's where he wins. But as we are getting to know Jesus in the middle times of our life, as we're getting to know him in the quiet times of our life, in the devotion times, in the prayer times, as you're allowing him, Jesus that is, to, and to bring encouragement into your life, understand it's not how you start, it's how you live and it's how you finish. Our, our mission statement is to be heavenly effective through earthly relevance. It's living in the middle time. It's living right now. You want a good end? You want a good result in the end? Then the middle time is important. What I do here is important. What you do is important. So don't, don't get um, discouraged with that. You know, prayer is an interesting thing. And I know... Um, I've been challenged quite a bit lately in prayer. And I've been encouraged and discouraged, I'll be very honest with you, um, because I don't understand prayer all the time. I, I don't understand it. Um, but I want to. So I'm asking the Lord to help me with this. I'm asking the Lord to give me some direction about prayer. And in this, he's given me three different things. There are, There's three different paths to take with prayer. And I've been down all of them and i want to stay on the on the right one two of them are wrong and one of them is right at least the way i've been given it here and the one the, the first bad path is this is that we have this thing we want to pray for and, and often we begin to pray and our prayer time turns into a strategy session it turns into a time where i'm saying okay god i got this big thing out here i have to solve and I'm praying and in my prayer time really instead of me just pouring my heart out to God what I'm really doing is I'm I'm laying out the strategy to how to solve the problem. And I find myself I found I have found myself in those times where when I couldn't figure it out I stopped praying. Because I couldn't figure it out. So therefore it was too big for God to solve so that I went on to the next thing where I stopped praying altogether and I got defeated. And that's where the enemy came in and he defeated my prayer life because it was up to me to figure it out. It was up to me to figure out God's strategy. And if I can't figure out how God's going to answer the prayer, then it it must not be answerable. Well, that's not what the Bible says. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts so when i then can understand that i don't have to figure it out first what i really do is say god i can't figure it out that's even that should give me more motivation to stay in and pray forget the strategy Forget that aspect. It's not, my, it's not my job. It's not my responsibility to figure out how, can, how God can answer that prayer because there's a lot of things in my life. I have family relationships. I have, uh, and we all have kids that are lost. That maybe you may have kids that are lost, and you can't figure it out how God can save them. You just can't figure it out. So what you end up doing is you'll stop praying. You'll be tempted to stop praying because it's too big. You can't figure it out. Stop it. Just keep praying. Keep believing. Keep asking God. Be that persistent widow that went, to that went to that judge. Be persistent in prayer. Pray continually. And don't worry about how God's going to do it. It's not my job to figure that out. It's my job to trust. All right? So that's the one, way that I've, that's the one path that I've gone down that has been wrong because I've tried to make my prayer time a strategy session. Come on, God, let's figure this out. God doesn't need my help figuring out his prayers. God doesn't need my help. Here's the other area that I've gone down. And uh, I have this thing and, and I pray. And, and, and it's similar in this, but, but what I'll do is that I'll ask for a very specific thing. And I'll say, God, answer the prayer that I have very specifically. And what I'm doing now is that I'm taking God's creativity away. Because God says, I'll answer your prayer, but I want to answer it my way. And instead, I'll say, God, no, I want to answer it this way. (laughs) And God says, no, I want to answer it this way. And we become arguing about this, and and I don't see then when God answers the prayer. God can be very clear in the answer. You know, when, when Daniel prayed, he prayed a prayer, and... The Bible says in Daniel that the messenger of God was sent immediately and, but was detained for 21 days. Daniel kept on praying. The angel had been given. He was detained by the enemy of the, of the prince of Persia who was the enemy of that territory. And he was detained until Michael the archangel came and helped him break through and brought the answer to Daniel. Okay? God answers the prayer in his timing I don't understand that. Again, there's things I don't understand about God. I don't understand that. But I just have to accept God's preeminence, God's omniscience, God's sovereignty, and the way God answers and the timing that God answers in in what he answers. That takes the pressure off me. I just need to learn to trust him in that area and not have to worry about it. But God does answer. Acts chapter 12 uh, we read in verses 12 through 16 of this happened to the disciples in the early church, how they were praying specifically for Peter, and Peter was in prison, and here God answers, and they don't even see it. Let's read that. Acts chapter 12, verse 12 through 16. When this had dawned on him, this is where Peter's got out of prison. All right, Peter was in prison. Let me back up. He was in prison. The the, the angel came and freed him out of prison. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and explained, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. What do you think they were praying for? (laughs) They were praying for Peter's release from prison. And here when Peter's at the door, they don't believe it. Talk about praying without faith. Now how many times has that happened to you? How many times has it happened to me where I pray for a certain thing and if God doesn't answer it exactly the way I think it's going to be answered or in the exact timing that it's going to be, I give up on God. That's not living in the middle, getting to know Jesus. That's living in the middle, we're putting me back at the center point of my life, where I have to, but rather I have to live in the middle with Christ at the center point and allow him to answer the prayer, allow his creativity, because I'll tell you, God's a lot more creative than I am, and he's a lot more creative than you are, and when he creates the answer, it'll be a lot better than what I could ever imagine anyway. So don't think that I have to create the answer or you do. Let God be God. And let his creativity just run wild. And then we'll accept the answer that he gives us. Amen? So what is the correct way to pray? I've read two ways that are wrong. Number one, that we make it a strategy session and I'm going to figure it out. And number two, I'm going to take God's creativity away because I'm going to tell God how to do it. The correct way to pray very simplistic, is to pray God's will. To pray God's will, trust in his promises, to answer your prayer in the way that he knows best and in his timing and then be ready to move and act on the answer that comes and not be so preconceived with my notions and my thoughts. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11 tells us Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give good gifts to those who ask him. Now, this makes the assumption that we're God's children. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you if you've accepted Jesus in your life at that point, that single point in time, and if you have been following, living in the middle of your life with Jesus at the center point of your life, you are a child of God. And this verse, you can take this to the bank, and you can take this church, you can verse, you take this verse, and know that God's going to answer your prayer. But you have to ask the prayer in the right vein. If you're going in the first two ways with your strategy or your thoughts, you may miss the answer. God will answer your prayer. He will answer it in his timing and in his knowledge that's best for you. But we will often lose our faith in God's answer to prayer because he's not answering it the way I think. That's making God smaller than me. That's making me bigger than God. And as what Drew gave us at Admonition this morning, recognize how big God is and how much more He loves us and perfectly loves us. Drew, your, your word was right on. It was perfect because it tells us that we are serving a God that is so big and so perfect that our responsibility is to come under His authority. And let him wrap us in his arms, as we song about this morning. And we just fall back onto him and let him be God and me be me. And then, and then, I can say that. But, but yet, we live in hard times. And some of you may be saying, well, Mike, that sounds really good. But my life is aimless and worthless and purposeless. I don't have anywhere to go. I'm not going in any direction. And I'm just saying, you know what? That's exactly where you need to be. Recognize that. Don't think that you have to have it all figured out first. Don't worry about that. Recognize that in the quiet times, in the doldrums of time, God is still working on your behalf whether you understand it or whether you feel like it or not. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 and 29 says this about God working in our life. We are living in the kingdom of God in the middle of our life. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed in the ground, night and day. Whether the man sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. God is working on your behalf behind the scenes, whether you know it or not whether you know how or not, as long as I've asked him in prayer and faith believing, then I can stop worrying about it. I can stop trying to figure it out. I can just say, God, I'm trusting you. Just like the farmer planted the the kernel of corn in the ground and then left it, the kernel is still going through its germination process, It's still establishing a root. It's still establishing a plant. Fruit will still happen whether I understand how he does it or how it happens or not, or whether I'm awake or asleep. The kernel is still in the process of growing. God's answer to your prayer is still in the process of being answered whether you realize it or not. See, and that's how we combat the enemy's attack to try to bring us discouragement. Because I will look at it so often, and if I don't see something happening, in my mind, nothing's happening. And that's where the devil wins. Because that's how he takes me off my life of hope and peace and, and, and the purpose of God. Because he says, no, the enemy says, well, if you don't see it happening, Mike, there's nothing going on. And so you might as well just give up. You might as well just quit. And that's where we have the temptation to the enemy will come and say, well, guys, you know what? You might as well just give up. You you might as well just throw in the towel. We talked about in Sunday school. Why do so many Christians start the path of Christianity and then fall away? Why do they drift away? Because they're listening to the wrong voice. Because they're listening to the voice of the enemy when they don't see God's working, when they don't feel God working, they assume God has left them. They assume that God has abandoned them. They're assuming that God isn't answering their prayer. And the devil comes up and he says, you know, you might as well give up. Or, you know, this works for some people, but not obviously for you. This Christian life, it's not for you. It's for somebody else. Or, come on, let's, let's do it this other way. God isn't listening. He doesn't care So let's make up our own way to get around the circle. Let's make up our own way to get on with life. Let's not wait for God anymore. Let's do it ourselves. Or why do we have to struggle with this holiness stuff? Why do we have to worry about living a righteous life? God doesn't care about you anyway. Come on, let's just go have some fun. Let's live life up. Let's do it our way let's go and let's go experience the pleasures of the world anyways because obviously god doesn't care see those are all lies from the devil now let me ask you besides me how many of us today have ever heard that have you ever heard the enemy whispering that in your life have you ever fought that temptation i have and i hope you're honest enough to know you have as well probably but here's the thing first john chapter 4 Verse 4 tells us this, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, I have a promise. As long as I'm a child of God, I have the promise that greater is he that is within me than he that's within the world. I don't have to worry about the devil. I don't have to listen to that voice, no matter how I feel. No matter how bad the circumstances are, no matter what I see or don't see, I'm promised that God's word, God's promises are already working on my behalf. The angel of the answer has already been given like for Daniel. The seed is already planted and germinating and the root is taking place. The answer is already on the way. I just have to be ready and willing to receive it and then act on it even if i don't understand it and i don't know about you this morning jack if you'd come but maybe you're with me this morning maybe you understand this maybe you are also trying to figure out another way around your life i, I don't know i don't know where you're at college student or high school student or adult you know i don't know but you know i'll tell you the people that have tried to make their own workarounds it hasn't worked very well for them do you know why we're in the big problem we're in right now in the east in the middle east and this is very uh, an oversimplification but it was because abraham abram and sarai didn't listen and didn't trust and wait for god's timing god promised abram that he and sarai would be the mother and the father of future generations before he changed their name to Abraham and Sarah. But they didn't wait. What they did, Abram got impatient. And he said, well, you know, I'm an old man and you're an old woman. I'm sure he didn't say that to his wife. He's smarter than that, I'm sure. But he they recognized how, how old they were and they made a decision, well, maybe Abram sleep with my handmaiden And let's have a son that way. And so they did. God gave them a son, and they named him Ishmael. And then God said, I didn't tell you to do that, Abram. I told you to wait on me. But yet, because of the promise, I'm going to make Ishmael a strong nation. And then when he finally had the son that he was promised, that's where the Jews came from. That, that son, that was given to them, and Ishmael became battle warriors. They fought at that time, and they're fighting today. That's the that's the that's the Muslims, and that's the Jewish people. And at that point in time, that's why we have the problem because Abram and Sarai, Abraham and Sarah, didn't wait on God. They wanted their own work around. Now, you and I are not that significant in history. But you are that significant in your personal life. Because someday you and I are going to stand before God all alone. And he's going to say, Mike, did you wait on me? Or did you make your own workaround? I don't want my own workaround. It's not going to last. I don't want to be judged on that. I want God to say, Mike, you did a good job. You waited. And then when I wait on God and I take the answer that he gives me, May not, I may not understand it. I may not like it right now. It may be different that I want. It may be a hard answer. It might make me stand up and obey Him. It might make me put down the short term, what I think I want short term, to, to wait for the long term that would be better for me. It might be a career change. It might be a boyfriend change or a girlfriend change. It might be who knows what it is for you. I'm just encouraging you not to let that Become your workaround on the plan that God has for your life. Live in the middle. Get to know Jesus in the middle of your life and know that he has a plan. If you just close your eyes with me this morning and just take some time to let the Lord work in your heart and your life. Let me ask you, first of all, the first thing, the very first step that has to happen is, and I, I want to ask the question just so that we know, but have you accepted Jesus in your life? Have you had that point of time where you've actually said, Jesus, yes, I'm receiving you as my Savior. That's number one. You can't become a child of God until you first have Jesus in your heart and life. You can't go to the next promise until you have this one taken care of first. So let me ask you, first of all, is there anyone here this morning that would want to just raise your hand and just say, you know what, I need to have that first. I need to have Jesus number one in my life. I need that first. And then after that, now comes the issue of, Lord, please help me in the trust. Please help me, Jesus, to know how to trust you. Please help me to know how to pray. Please help me to trust the answer that you're giving that I don't have to work around my own solution, my own strategy. Help me to pray, God, knowing your will is my best will. Father, I just come before you and I just ask you to do a work in my heart, Jesus. Make sure that I'm listening to the right truth. Lord, I would ask that you would help me to know how to discern all the voices and all the ideas that would come into me. Lord, help me to know that public opinion and popular theology, if it doesn't line up with God's word, it's not right. Give me the strength to stand against it, Jesus. Give me the strength to stand on your word and your word alone. Lord, I pray for every person that's in this room today that you would give them the same strength, that you would give them the same fortitude, that you would give them the same desire in their heart, that they would not rest in anything else besides the full truth of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we go through this holiday season, I know how busy we get. Lord, help us not to forget your significance in our life today. Help us to get to know you, Jesus, right now, in the middle of our life. Help us not to be discouraged. Help us not to be distraught. But help us to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing the song that Jackie's playing, and and let's just take the next minute to finish strong. It's not how we started the service. It's how we're going to finish it. (laughs) That's what life is. It's how we finish things. Let's just finish here on a sense of prayer and praise. If you want to pray, I'd be happy to pray with you. I pray that these messages would go and you would think about them throughout the week. and Just continue to let the Lord work on you. But let's not, um, let's not rush through this moment today. If you need to pray, let's pray. Let's get this resolved in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing the song that Jackie's playing. You know, I know we don't always have a great emotional appeal at the end of our services. And um, I'm not sure what to do about that, in all honesty. I'll be very honest with you. Because in the past, I've had more emotional services where we end at the end of the big hoopla at the end. Sometimes that's good. But here's what's most important. Is that you really take the word that you heard today, not my word, but the word that the God has planned. We read a lot of scriptures. Scriptures did not return void, right? If you took notes, go back. Let the scriptures sink in throughout the week. That's more important than anything else, anyways. That's more important than thinking we had that this was a had to have a big emotional appeal at the end. It's not about the it's not about the feelings. It's about are you listening? And are you willing to apply God's word? Because we can have a great emotional appeal out here and go live in the world like you want to live in. It's nothing nothing gained. Nothing gained. It's more important that you take God's word and you apply it in your life. Amen. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Father, forgive us this good day today. We worship you. We thank you. Go with us throughout this week. Bring this back to our reminders, I pray, later on when we need it. Help us to grow in you. Help us to see you in the middle today. In Jesus' name. Amen.